there was a a text thread with with Rob and and Ken and and I <laughs> called it uh, I called it dumb instead of Dune. <laughs> In all caps, <laughs> I said dumb. Er, I mean Dune. <laughs> and here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular. Yep. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh, and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Stick them up. Oh, trademark. How's it going? Uh, I'm pretty good. No complaints. Ooh, I was kind of cold, but then now I'm hot. <laughs> it's weird. Cold? I can't. Yeah, it's 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 like eight degrees, but there's like this weird breeze that's happening, and like it's affecting my body. <laughs> I must need a monster. <laughs> I had to throw a hoodie on. I was like, Jesus Christ, what's going on? <laughs> was it a monster hoodie? It is. I have that. <laughs> I know. From all the points, all the tabs. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Fucking rocking and rolling, man. That's so much monster. <laughs> yeah. Good I do like you. monsters. Yeah, I do like them. I haven't had one chest. in a while. But does it? Does it put air yeah. in your chest? I think it burns it off. Actually, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like edible nair. It's pretty great. Oh man, nair hurts. I used it on my back once, and uh, never again. <laughs> your back. Yeah, uh, you make never a better again. Armenian than I would. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, I I have three chest hairs, and that's about it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got tons of chest hair. I'm like a gorilla. I'm like that kid in junior high that could grow a mustache before everyone else, but it's really just like three hairs on his face. That's (laughs) that's basically my chest. (laughs) Man, so I'm trying to grow my, you'll see it tomorrow, but I'm trying to grow my beard out and it's, it's kind of like at a standstill. It just stopped growing and I'm like trying to will it to grow, but I promise myself I won't shave it until the end of May. But right, so I saw that bad. you you don't have like the mustache part. You just have the beard. You look like a little garden gnome. <laughs> no, I have a mustache. It's just really it's blonde. <laughs> it's I'll send you a picture. Hair, like, yeah, it's like, like it's like Andre. blonde, <laughs> like Andre. Uh, yeah, from uh, from the league where he says he's not bald. He just has clear hair. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's it's kind of like that. I mean, when you see it up close, it's a, it's a little bit different. But yeah, it's hard to see over. Um, over like uh, cameras and stuff like that. Over yeah, I did not Snapchat see it. I, I, even, I literally joked with Alex. I'm like, hey, he's got like a little garden gnome thing going on. He says <laughs> like Junior. It's really weird. I'm like uh, Seth Seth Green in, in Sex Drive. Yeah, there you go. Com- exactly. Computers? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I did not see the stash. That is so funny. I literally just thought you on your chin. I was like, oh wow, he's like a little piggy from uh, by the hair on my chinny chin chin. Oh so boy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> I okay. digress. Um, what have you been uh, watching lately? So I watched uh, The Benchwarmers, which did not um, age really well. It was a very, very bad movie. Uh, I watched Die Hard with a Vengeance, which aged perfectly. I thought that that was fantastic. 
I watched the beginning of that movie where it's like, hot town, summer in the city. Yeah. (laughs) Why are you yelling, Jesus? Jesus, it's okay. Yeah, why do you call me Jesus? Why do you call me Jesus? Do I look Puerto Rican to you? Oh, jeez. Like Zeus. Piss me off on a stick of lightning bolt up your ass. Uh, Yeah, watch that. A great movie. I I love that so much. I watched Castaway. Really liked that, too. I forgot how good that was. And I watched The Heartbreak Kid. And Justin, I was laughing so hard, and I forgot how hilarious The Heartbreak Kid was. It is Uh, so funny. And it was really sad because the next day Jerry Stiller passed away. Yeah. But, so Alex and yeah. I watched it too because we were te- we were texting about it. So I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh God damn it!" Now I have to watch it. And then I woke up to the news of of Aww. Jerry Stiller's passing. How sad. At least he was ninety. He lived a really good life, full life. What about you? What are you watching? Uh, what am I watching? I watched the Malagro Beanfield War. I don't know if you've ever seen that or heard of it, but it's amazing. It's directed by Robert Redford. And hmm. it's a blast. Uh, it actually has some pretty heavy themes. It's a really um, delightful movie, but um, it sort of has this uh, Don Quixote vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to war, see windmills on your horizon kind of thing. Uh, it's all about uh, big business picking on a little guy. And it's fan freaking tastic. Absolutely love it. And I remember I, like, I hadn't seen it since I don't know, maybe high school. And I was able to quote so much of this movie as it was happening. Alex was like, how many times have you seen this? I'm like, dude, honestly, the last time I saw it was like in 97. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. How it, it stuck with me. It's kind of funny. Very impactful. Yeah. Um, cool. Also watched Back to the Future 1 and 2. Still have 3 to watch. And uh, The Town. We were talking about that last week. And I, I kind of got all tingly in my loins there. So I had to watch it. Absolutely love that movie. <laughs> and then same with... Uh, bunch of goddamn fucking hippies i had to watch <laughs> once upon a time in hollywood I, I i saw it was just on i mean i own it but when it's on like demand it's just so easy to just hit play instead of looking for your movie kind of thing mm-hmm. and it was just popped up right on my screen and i was like well shit we're doing it went and grabbed my drink as the credits started and uh sat on through the the three-hour movie and laughed so gd hard you got a driver's license or something that says you're 18. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Love that movie. But hippies are gross. They are so dirty. Yeah, I didn't like when they were getting the jar of pickles and all that shit out of the dumpster. Yeah, dumpster pickles. DP. Goddamn, goddamn fucking hippie. <laughs> oh, man. And then when he... Well, God, and I'm constantly thinking of you, too, because we talk about this movie so much. And when he drinks out of the blender... Oh, my I just, God. I love love it um i freaking lost it when that happened oh my god it's so funny because he's got that he's still got that cool mustache from his uh italian movies yeah there you go and he just looks like a uh a guy (laughs) so yeah yeah. (laughs) pretty edgy bro love it love it love it love it um yeah so this week it was my turn to pick and I'm excited about this one. This one is Harold and Maude from 1971, directed by Hal Ashby. And um, I, I just find this movie to be absolutely delightful. I, my father made me watch it when I was a kid, and I haven't seen it in over 20 years, but I, I still love it very much. I hold it very dear to my heart. And uh, I just kind of put it on. I saw it was available like on Stars, I think. And... I just started watching it, and when it was over, I was like, that's it. That's that's our movie for this week on Don't Be Crazy. So then I had you watch it. But yes, directed by Hal Ashby, uh, written by Colin Higgins. The 
Motion Picture Show stars Ruth Gordon, Bud Court, Vivian Pickles, uh, Cyril Cusack, Charles, was that Tyner? Mm-hmm. And Ellen Greer. That's a lot of people considering you really only see like three main actors to the entire movie. And that would be uh, Harold Maude and then Harold's mother. She has a pretty prominent role. Yeah, well, and you see, like, you know, the uh, his uncle. The therapist and his uncle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the priest. How, okay, let me ask you something really quick. Uh, point mm-hmm. blank. Um, when you're watching this, did you think of Wes Anderson pretty early in the, yes. the movie-going process? <laughs> yes. Isn't, isn't that funny? So I, I, I wrote that down, and we'll talk about it later. But, yes, absolutely. I, I think just how deadpan it was and how um, you'd be in one scene and then instantly jump to somewhere else. And how like it was framed because Wes Anderson is all about symmetry. So like, you know, when the the shot of Harold and the psychiatrist uh, from behind and they're sitting facing each other, kind of it's like super symmetrical. They're even wearing the same GD outfits. And uh, yeah, very, very Wes Anderson. Well, obviously, you know, Wes Anderson probably took a lot of inspiration from this. So, right. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's totally funny, too. And then, um, you know, it's it's when the when his uncle pulls on his little string to do the salute with his missing arm, mm. uh, I, I, I turned to Alex. I go, that's a pretty Wes Anderson thing to do right there. <laughs> Dude, I was dying. I was laughing so hard. I'm like, what, why is his arm folded up like that? I mean, I knew he didn't have an arm, but then, yeah, I see it just come out of yeah, his like, lapel. Like salute. <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> so good. Yeah, I know. It's it cool. so good. Oh, it's man. good stuff. And, you know, it's funny is um, like Royal Tannenbaums is probably my favorite Wes Anderson movie. And. Um, you know, I saw, I saw that movie like three times in the theater. I couldn't get enough of it. And as I was watching Harold and Maude, it made me think maybe that's why I like Royal Tannenbaum so much is because this movie resonated so well with me when I was a kid that um, on a subconscious level, um, I feel like I might have related to Royal Tannenbaum a little bit more because I liked Harold and Maude so much without right. being able to pinpoint that reasoning. I was just like, man, what is it about this movie that just <laughs> speaks to me? It's kind of funny yeah. how that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I got so. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. Critical reception? Yeah, yeah. we'll talk about? Yeah, yeah, All right. Let's check the old tomato meter there. Looking at a whopping... Where to go? Where to go? Where to go? 84% on the old tomato meter from the critics. That is certified fresh. Audience gives it uh, 93. So, again, two weeks in a row where the audience knows better than the GD critics. <laughs> Honestly, that'll be a lull. Are you are you ready for this? Man, I'm always ready. Alright. Let's see here. Vincent Canby from New York Times. He does not like the movie. <laughs> Gives it a one out of five. Says Bud Court and Ruth Gordon both are so aggressive, so creepy, and off-putting. Yikes. And you know what's funny about that is I've said this on the show a thousand times that I love being uncomfortable in movies. I, I, I really think that that really enhances my my movie going and cinematic experience. And this movie is filled with discomfort. It is loaded with discomfort. There's so many things happening that are just weird. And even stuff as simple as like the paintings or pictures just being kind of lower than normal on the walls. Like it's kind of strange. It catches your eye in a weird way, but it's so it's in frame, right? You know, you're talking about being symmetrical and everything. And it just, it's weird and it's definitely off putting. Um, So it's kind of funny that the reasons why he hates the movie are the reasons why I like the movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> something about 70s style horror film blood always kind of creeped me out because it's just that really bright, bright red that blood right. doesn't really look like. And so the scenes, you know, that he had um, in like the bathtub and everything where it would show blood, it just I could I could see in that sense how it'd be creepy. But no, nah, I mean, I'm used to it now, man. It's 2020. Right. It's almost almost 2021. Halfway. Getting there, yeah. Yeah. I mean, see, today's the 13th, which means tomorrow's your birthday. It's my birthday. I got a big box. Yes, I do. I got a big box. How about you? (laughs) I do have a big box. (laughs) Just like Aaron. What? Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the office. Yes. (laughs) Got you good, you fucker. Uh, Let's see here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh Derek Adams from Timeout with a T. Uh it's almost let's see. I'm I'm excuse me. It is most successful when it keeps to the tone of an insane fairy story set up at the beginning of the movie. Um those words couldn't have been harder to read. <laughs> I'm like insane fairy story. And fairy story is one word and it literally made my brain have a stroke as I was reading. <laughs> Today, Junior? I was like, my my brain can't process the words that I'm looking at right now. It's so funny. (laughs) Oh, geez. That's terrible. Uh, Let's see here. Josh Larson from Larson on Film. Bud Court delivers one of the all-time cinematic expressions of existential horror. Sounds deep. How about that? Existential horror. Uh, James Kendrick from Newark film desk says cuts through the superficial surfaces of conventional romance and digs into what actually draws people together now that's important because these two people harold and maude the titular characters they have a remarkable connection with one another it is it is kismet it is the kind of connection that could be connected from across the cosmos across the universe these two people belong together in this moment. And I think that is fantastic. It was an astute observation. Totally. I think that's about it. That's good. Oh, here, you know what? Uh, Variety staff. They say, marked by a few good gags, but marred by a greater preponderance of sophomoric overdone and mocking humor. I don't know about all that. Wow. Mr. Whitey Tidy up there. Yeah. I mean, it's okay to disagree, but you are wrong, <laughs> Variety <laughs> staff. <laughs> it's okay to di- disagree, but when you're wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Do you, hear some, do you want to hear some fun facts? Yeah, I love fun facts. Cool. All right. In all shots of Ruth Gordon, who was Maude, uh, in all the shots of her driving the hearse, it is being towed because she never learned how to drive a car, which is... Fascinating because I love that aspect that she just steals random cars. She's like GTA up in here, just right. taking whatever she wants. And I thought it was hilarious. It's actually pretty common to, to tow the vehicle because it's dangerous for someone to try and be doing a job while driving at the same time. Totally. Like, especially when the lead actor is turning their head and staring at their passenger while they're having a yeah. conversation. I <laughs> never take my eyes off the road, man. <laughs> I love it when they're, they're moving their hands like in like the old like 50s movies and they're just, uh, just jockeying them left and right. Like they're constantly in, in a turn. I love that. 
Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, how, that's how Ben Affleck was driving the Batmobile in Batman v Superman. I loved it. Pretty much. Most of the Cat Stevens songs heard in the film were taken from his albums Mona Bone Jacone or T for the Tillerman. I'm not a huge Cat Stevens fan, sorry. Uh, he wrote the opening song, Don't Be Shy, and if you want to sing out, sing out, especially for the film. That's really cool. I like that he did the soundtrack. It uh, it just kind of fit. It fit with the movie. I thought that that was really, really great. So uh, Ruth Gordon is 51 years older than co-star Bud Court. Can you believe that? I can believe anything. I know. Me too. Okay. Can I read you a synopsis? Sure. Let's hear it. All right. This is written by me. Harold Chasen is a wealthy youngster obsessed with death and isolation who lives with his mother in their lavish mans- man- uh. mansion. Mansion. Man. Big house. Uh. Not a prison, but <laughs> a large home. <laughs> their lavish home. <laughs> Harold's fake suicide attempts are largely largely ignored by his mother, who has treated them as commonplace. Mrs. Chasen decides that Harold needs a girlfriend, so she arranges three possible suitors for young Harold. While routinely attending an anonymous, anonymous funeral, Harold meets Maude, an eccentric near 80-year-old woman with a certain zeal for life. Harold and Maude strike up a friendship in the most unlikely of ways. Maude's love of life begins to rub off on Harold as the two grow closer together. Maude teaches Harold about stealing cars, avoiding the police, understanding the uniqueness in horticulture, and most importantly, learning how to live. Harold happens to scare off all three potential girlfriends, but in the process, realizes that he is in love with Maude. Harold admits to Maude that his obsession with death was to gain his mother's attention, which is all he ever wanted. Harold plans on proposing to Maude on her birthday. Flattered by the gesture, Maude admits that to Harold that she had already taken suicide pills and that she would be dead by midnight. Harold rushes Maud to the hospital, but Maud tells Harold that everything is fine and that he has a whole lot of love to give to another. Maud dies and Harold is distraught. Harold drives his car at breakneck speed along the coast, ending up at a cliffside. We see Harold's car fly, o- fly off a cliff and crash down below. Luckily, Harold decided against killing himself, but instead to play the banjo, a gift from Maud. Perhaps the greatest gift that Harold received was the ever appreciating love of life itself. And then this was a quote I found from this really cool guy. It's an incredible journey filled with life lessons, feeling misunderstood, acceptance, love, being normal, and mortality. And that was one Mr. Justin C.C. Cavender who said that. (laughs) When did I say that? You sent it in a text. I got it. (laughs) It's written. Yeah. It, It is known. It is decided. You said your dad uh, showed you this film first. How old were you when you saw it? Uh, I think I was like 14. 14, 15. Oh, okay. And you, and you really liked it from the get-go? Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. 100%. I, I especially liked the relationship with his mother <laughs> and how she just wasn't giving him the time of day. And I thought that was so funny. Like from, I like when... a, from a, like a stewy, like, mom, 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 mommy, <laughs> mommy, mommy, um, kind of. Uh, mentality that it just really resonated with me. I like when she was filling out his form for him, and yeah, he, immediately he's like looking at her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. That's all she was yeah. just doing. Yeah, I love it. It's like, how do you feel about wife swapping? <laughs> do you find wife swapping to be offensive? Not only do I find it to be offensive, but even the question is offensive. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that was. I know that was a really weird question, but <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, I was. Uh, this was my first time seeing it, and I'm glad I did. I've heard of it um throughout the years on different 
you know, shows and podcasts and whatnot. And uh, I'm not going to lie, the the age thing threw me off and I was kind of turned off from a weird love story of an 80 year old trying to date a 20 year old or whatever he is. But I obviously put it put it past that and I uh, was able to look beyond it, I should say. And I, I took a chance and I'm glad I did because I totally get what you're saying. It's that incredible journey of feeling misunderstood, acceptance, love, being normal and mortality. So good. Good job, Mr. Mr. All Cavendish. those things. <laughs> you know, that old, that old chestnut. That old chestnut. NBD. So, oh, yeah. Geez. And I um, like I said, I, I love the soundtrack. I think that it fit really well, uh, very much like a Wes Anderson film. I really do like when certain films use just one artist for their uh, music. So like in uh, Into the Wild, it was predominantly Eddie Vedder. Uh, Eddie yeah. Vedder. Yeah. And I thought that that was really neat. Man, I, I got to tell you, man, with Into the Wild, if I would have if I would have read that book when I was in college, I feel like I would have done something very drastic. <laughs> my life would have gone a different way. <laughs> I think I would have been smarter about my choices, but there's something extremely inspirational about Christopher McCandless and that story. And if you're not familiar with it, you should definitely check it out. You can either read the book Into the Wild or watch the motion picture show that was remarkable. I 100% agree with you. And I mean, I think that's part of the reason why I love the outdoors and, and exploring. And and honestly, it's it's movies like this, like Harold and Maude and um, the, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty and Into the oh, Wild. I hate that movie. I know you do, but I but I absolutely <laughs> love it because it, 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 pu- it pushed me to where I needed to be along with other external influences on my life. Right. And it really kind of just helped me get out of my comfort zone. And and I, I did read Into the Wild, the book, and um, they did it. I mean, they did a pretty adequate job on the film. I mean, they took some liberties, of course. Well, because the, the book's all the book's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The John Krakauer or whatever his name Krakauer, is. Um, yeah. The um, so it reads like information is trickling in. Yeah. versus uh, a flat out narrative from start to finish. Do you know what one of the most beautiful shots in Into the Wild is? It's when he is on the ranch, Vince Vaughn's ranch, and he's looking out at the horses on like a sunset and he just starts crying. And it's so freaking beautiful. But yeah, that movie is also on stars for free. Is it? Yeah, it is. There was there's this part where his sisters not to deviate too much in this podcast, but there's a part where he's at the beach and his sister is doing the voiceover and discussing how uh, Christopher has never really ever felt tested. And I immediately started thinking, man, have I ever been tested? And like, sure, I've, I've gone through things. But at the time, I hadn't had any like life altering events take place to mm. know who I really am. And it really got me thinking. <laughs> and so that's why I was like really glad that I I was not terribly familiar with this movie when I was 20. Because <laughs> I think I honestly think I would have been swayed to do something really crazy and just go off on a fucking Bilbo Baggins adventure. And it could have been bad. I, it definitely inspired me to travel. I, I promise you it inspired me to travel and to backpack and all that stuff. So, yeah. Pretty rad, but uh, for Harold and Maude, I have a question for you. Yeah, back to Harold and Maude. <laughs> no, 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 no. I really, I, I like the deviation. It's good. Uh, do you think that Harold and Maude could ever be remade? Ah, uh, gosh, I hope not. I think it is a timeless story. 
I don't think anything has ever changed. I think that parents still are the way that they are with Harold. I think that uh, the all the all the pieces to this puzzle are things that do not need to be fast forwarded in time. We get the message uh, today the same as we did in 1971. It and would be I, absurd to remake this. And I agree with you. I do not think that we need to remake. I am not a huge fan of remakes, I think, as most people know. But this one is, uh, yeah, this one just is it's a Criterion Collection, man. Uh, do, do you, let's Okay, let's just play hypotheticals here. If it did get remade, what type of effect do you think it would have on audiences in 2020? I don't know, man. People are weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my nice way of saying I hate people, but they are so strange. I don't. I don't even know if we have the brain power to understand a new version of this. Like, I don't think it would work. I don't think people care. I, don't, I think we're so distracted in our own worlds that you could miss the beauty in something like this. Right. And I just, I, I feel like if it were be, to be made today, then someone would probably make, they might do some sort of role reversal where it's an 80 year old dude <laughs> hooking up with a 20 year old girl and it would be gross and weird. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's just strange. I, I think one of the, one of the big takeaways from this was, um, you know, in a post Vietnam war um still dealing with that sort of fallout and how the the military was portrayed and there's a lot of um gusto sure we'll call it that but like there's a charm that comes with this movie that i don't necessarily think exists in films today i think movies are made differently and um if something were to try and replicate this it would be nigh impossible I think it would be one of those things where um, I feel like you were even tweeting about this the other day with 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 David, where you said it was a copy of a copy that mm-hmm. was good on VHS, like a uh, what is the word simulacrum or something like that, where it's like copy of a copy of a copy and it's not as good. And um, that would definitely be the case. It is it is impossible to recapture this era of filmmaking and part of the charm of this movie and why it works is because of uh, the scenery, uh, the the tone, the the aesthetic, the background. All of these things would be impossible to recreate today. Those fields that he's driving in now probably have a fucking Starbucks and a Dunkin' <laughs> Donuts and a goddamn GNC store and all kinds of weird shit that you just are always lumped together. There's always a Petco and a Staples and a Target next to each other for some goddamn reason. And they're... <laughs> They're all in that field. So you can't even make this movie again if you wanted to. That is that is my long-winded answer. But no, I would hate to see a remake of this. Yeah, I mean, there's there's timeless classics, you know, like movies like The Shawshank Redemption that should and I really hope will never get remade because they're they just fit a certain a certain way. And you could do spins on it like you could have like you're saying, you know, Maud be the man and Harold be the girl or vice versa, whatever. Right. But I don't think that that really serves a purpose other than to possibly make money. But it's not like, I don't know if this movie is breaking the bank or anything. So it would, it would be a slap in the face. I think if they did it and as much as I love how free thinking, you know, 
we as humans all are with our internets and whatever, our Pac-Man video games and our <laughs> <laughs> Pac-Man yeah. video games. Um, I, I feel that the suicide aspect in the film wouldn't age very well. And obviously it's, it's the crux of the film and it, it works. It works brilliantly for, for the time, like you were saying, but, but the woke audiences today, I don't think they'd see it that way. And that's just, un, it's unfortunate. I mean, like, you know, obviously suicide is awful, but it, I, I get the vibe of what's going on in this film. So, so can we let's talk about her suicide really quick? Because um, she she had it planned. She's very subtly said in a in casual passing. She was like, eh, "Of course, it won't all matter after Saturday," and you just kind of forget about that. Because she's talking about her. She's saying that she's almost eighty, and then Harold was like, "Really? You don't look it." And she goes, "Well, it's because you know I breathe. Yeah, you know, I go, I do my exercises and do this and that." But then she's like, oh, "Of course, it won't all matter after Saturday." But. Um, why do you believe that she chose to die on her 80th birthday? Because I think that the entire, so the entire film mod is, is all about loving and controlling her own life. And through her death, she's able to control that as well. Um, she's choosing when she goes out, she's not going to be walking down the street and slip or get hit by a car or whatever. She's choosing to, to end her story. And I thought, I think that was so beautiful because, she was such a ray of sunshine and such a bright light in, in Harold's world. So I, I really believe that, you know, and it was a beautiful send off. Like, I really think it was how she was telling him, you know, he's like, I love you. And she's like, I love you too, but you have so much more love to give. And I was like, Oh my God, right. <laughs> it just, it, it, it worked so well. And it was really sad, you know, when, when he finds out inaudibly that she passes, but that's what she wanted. And she wanted to control it. And if anything, she gave Harold that gift of, of life. And I, freaking loved that so much i don't know if it, do you see it that way or maybe differently uh no i think that's that's pretty spot on um i had i was kind of under the interpretation that um she she had mentioned that uh, like health failing and i felt like she didn't want to be in a position to where she would have to go to the doctor all the time or she was suffering from some sort of ailment and that 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 moment was approaching. So she was going to stop before it got out of hand. Yeah. And I so um, a movie that I absolutely adored was called The Farewell. And uh, that came out last year, I believe it's on uh, Canopy. If anyone wants to watch it, it's an A24 film. And it's funny because actually the grandmother, do you know the premise of it? At all. No. So basically uh, in China, uh, and don't quote me on this, but if a family member is terminally ill, the doctors don't tell them, they tell the family and it's up to the family to carry that burden and deliver that to their their loved one. So it, what this family does is they find out their grandma's terminally ill. She has like stage, stage four cancer. So they don't have the guts to tell her. So instead what they do is they stage a fake wedding of one of the cousins so they can all get together and celebrate her her final days. And it's um, Aquafina is in it and she's absolutely phenomenal in it. But she the grandmother does that breathing exercise thing that Maude was doing. So I was like, oh, you know, when she's like, ha, 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 whatever. But uh, it's it's so endearing. And it reminded me of this movie in that sense. But the grandmother loved her life and loved her family and the people around her. And with Maude, are, are, are we so? Correct me if I'm wrong, but she, did, do you think she survived like Auschwitz or something? Is that what the tattoo yeah, yeah. is for? That was a Holocaust tattoo, correct. 
I could never imagine being in that type of situation. So I'm sure that her outlook on life is like, I need to, to seize every single day, every single moment. And I'm, I'm going out on my terms. And I think you might be absolutely right. She may have had some terminal illness and was like, you know what? I'm doing this big style. Um, I'm doing it the way I want to do it and, and loving every minute of it. And I think that's so beautiful. Right. I mean, it's, it's funny because it's like, you think about it and what problems do you really have? (laughs) She is a Holocaust survivor. She has seen, and, and, and all likelihood she has seen far worse than you can ever imagine. So, um, I am, I am keen on believing whatever it is she has to say. And, and, uh, I can agree with her outlook on life. And even when she, she talks about like, um, you know, it's okay to get hurt. You know, like she's talking about a lot of people enjoy being dead, but they're not really dead. Um, they're just backing away from life. You know, reach out, take a chance, get hurt even, but play as well as you, but play as well as you can. You know, so it's, it's okay to get hurt. You know, don't, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. And I, and I love that. That's, that's all stuff that, that, young people should hear it's your your there's going to be a moment in your life where this usually happens right around high school where you think you know every goddamn thing um it tends to continue on to college but there's these these times where you know you you fall in love and every all these relationships around you are falling apart and you're like they don't have what we have right and you know i I get that that works for you but we're different right but everyone's fucking the same at the end of the day when it comes to stuff like that and it's and and it's great that you're so in love that that you can't see any flaws but then eventually your heart gets broken and and you can choose to learn from that and 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 accept that you had an incredible whatever couple weeks couple months couple years whatever but at the end of the day it's chalk it up to a learning experience and it's up to you to grow from that learning experience absolutely man Time is finite and mistakes can get made. You, you just can't be afraid to make them. You have to try. Right. Like right. when I turned, when I turned, uh, oh goodness, maybe 25 or 26, something just clicked in me. And it was around the time that I started, you know, I watched like Into the Wild and those, those types of movies and something just clicked with me. And I started saying yes to everything pretty much instead of no. And I mean, the, the majority of the things that I do today are, are my passions because I learned to say yes. And so I think that that's, that's so interesting. And, and so great. The line when she says, you know, they're in the field, in the flower field, and um, Harold talks about being the same. Basically, he just he just wants to be the same flower. I love when she says, you see, Harold, I feel that much of the world's sorrow comes from people who are this. And she shows that flower, yet allow themselves to be treated like that. I, I love it, man. I like being different. I, I feel that I don't want to be a, a cow in the in, in the in the herd. I want to break free and do cool shit. So right, right. Because he had um all the flowers that he had picked the did the daisies they're all different like a daisy is actually my favorite flower <laughs> uh truth be told i just love how simple it is but like she said they're all different there's uh, some are smaller some are fatter some are some lean to the left some lean to the right um and and i and i love that oh it's the ice cream man coming by wrong the, the rhododendron is the best flower obviously so uh, hey i do hear it go, go get me one of those uh baseball mitts with a bubblegum <laughs> baseball in the middle of it <laughs> maybe a, a blue ghost <laughs> with a bubblegum <laughs> eye or something they used to have the mario one too and that was really good it wasn't even like ice cream it was just like 
crystallized sugar and I don't yeah. know, it was weird uh, spider-man had a so-so popsicle <laughs> spoderman <laughs> i even had a so-so popsicle oh it's so great so throughout the film you know we see what should totally be tragic scenes like the funeral right but when he first meets Maud, like really when she comes into the same church funeral with him and then we see the pallbearers carrying the casket out to the hearst. A car, a marching, not, band. marching band walks by. <laughs> yeah. So so, it, so it's, funny. It, it's interesting because Ashby uses a lot of this these um kind of like morose scenes with a nice uh, facetious shift, and he he juxtaposes like I don't know comedy or breaks the tension with it. Why do you think what what was he going for here in terms of like with death and maybe laughing at it or what, what do you think his angle was here? You know, I don't I don't know. I thought it it's part of me wants to think that it's like it's okay to laugh at death. Like uh it's just another part of life kind of thing. And it just I, to me it just reminded me that like laughter is like the best medicine. Like I remember even being at my uncle's funeral and I just started thinking about funny shit that we used to do and I'm just like cracking up laughing and I'm at a funeral. It's kind of awkward and weird, but I like as I'm watching this marching band walk <laughs> go by. I thought it was the funniest fucking thing ever, and uh, I couldn't stop laughing. So for me, it was just one of those things where it's like nothing's a big deal unless you make it a big deal. And I can imagine someone being just mortified and offended that that was happening, and other people that would just just let it go. Like Maude, she she didn't even give it to, like two thoughts. I think that's great. She was more concerned, just like. Why are people bringing dead flowers to a funeral? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, and then she steals the bug right outside. <laughs> she steals the car. I think that's so funny. So I don't know. For me, it was just reminding me that uh, you know, find the find the funny in everything. Yeah, I mean, like when my dad passed away, we had a celebration of life afterwards, and and I mean, we had a funeral for my for my grandma and stuff, and yeah, I mean, it was beautiful. But the celebration of life was great because it was it was on his birthday, and like all his friends were there. You know, we're we're barbecuing, we're drinking beer, we're we're playing football catch and baseball catch and all the all the catches. But uh, yeah, it was great. You know, like everybody's telling stories and just chuckling. I mean, because that's what that's what it's about is is smiling. Like I try to go every single day smiling and laughing if I can. If I don't, then something's wrong with me. But uh, yeah, who, who knows what's to say? I think I think death obviously is a big theme in this film. Uh, I think that like we were talking about earlier, how Maude is like, dude, I've survived the worst shit. So bring it on life. And how Harold is is kind of treating death as this this escape or, or uh, improper use of it to try to get his mother's attention. And that's that's awful. But mod is like look i've seen some shit and and i promise you that this isn't the end this is just a step death is just a step right i think for him it was uh that time that she thought her there was a time when there was an explosion at his school and his mother thought that he really perished and he saw how that broke her and how it had an impact on her and he had never gotten that before and so it was like he was trying to sort of re-get and rekindle that emotion, elicit that emotional response from her, right? And she was now like every other parent, especially in like 80s movies where the parents just don't listen to the kids. So it's like, that's why I'm going to rock out to like punk music and wear spiky bracelets and throw my fucking aerosol cans in the microwave and just fuck (laughs) the man, right? 
And so that, again, that's a timeless thing. Like parents just don't listen to their kids. It's they, they tell their kids things and they, they tell them what to do, what not to do, but they never fucking listen. And that's part of being, uh, I would imagine a good parent. Obviously I am not a parent. I am, I have a dog that I love dearly, (laughs) but I know that as a child, there were times when my parents would just listen to me and that had a tremendous impact more so than them telling me what to do. Will Smith said it best, man. Parents just don't understand. Right. <laughs> it's true though. And, and, and even, even when she's setting him up with these computer dates, right? It was, you get three dates before you have to pay or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like a trial run and she's filling out the questionnaire and it immediately turns into what she wants, not what Harold would want. Yep. She's asking the questions, but she's definitely answering them too. And so, perfect example of the disconnect in their relationship. Totally. So, um, so Maud is the optimism that Harold needs in his pessimistic, bleak life. She sees life, like we've been talking, as something that should be enjoyed every day, less seriously and filled with experience. As a result... Harold falls in love with Maud, not worried about age, but rather because of how beautiful her soul is. How important, and I'm asking you, is optimism in a relationship? Uh, very, extremely. You need it. Is Harold wrong for how he felt for Maud, or was it just getting, or was he just getting caught up in the moment? Because you kind of touched on that for the high school thing, but do you think that he was wrong for the feelings he felt for Maud? Right, the learning experience. Thing. Yes, absolutely yes. not. No, he's not wrong. I I think that you should always go with your heart, and if you do, you're never wrong, because um, that's telling you what to do. That's your instinct, right? Um, you're doing what you think is right, and I don't think there's anything more important than that. And um, and I, what I mean by by being wrong when you're in high school is you're being wrong that to not look at this as an opportunity to just learn and grow. You know, you you shut yourself out from that stuff. It's like, this is it. This is all it's ever going to be when that's certainly not the case. Even how, like you mentioned when he says that, you know, I love you, Ma. And she's like, that's great. Now go love some more. Yeah. You know, she's like, oh, that's wonderful. Uh, go and love some more because it does, the, the buck doesn't stop here. You know, you have this entire life to live and you do what you got to do. You fill that heart. You fill that void and you, you know, be the person you're meant to be. And um, I don't think he is wrong at all. I I think that it is fascinating how all of us are quick to judge on their relationship. Like if I, if I were to see a 20 year old with an 80 year old, I would scratch my head and be like, well, that's weird. (laughs) But but I mean, I would chalk that up with like face tattoos and things like that, where I'm just like, I don't understand kids these days, but um, the, at the end of the day, the heart wants what the heart wants. I just don't want, you know, my teenage daughter to be with a man, <laughs> some gross man. <laughs> uh, like, you know, there's a big difference between a, I would say there's a huge difference between an 18 year old and let's say a 25 year old, but there's a lot less difference between a, uh, you know, a 40 year old and a 30 year old. I think that development has happened. That change has happened to where you have a different outlook on life. You understand who you are as a person. Whereas I think you are very much a child until the age of like, well, if I had to put a number on, I would say around 22, 23 after you've had some sort of um, 
moment that has kind of helped shape you and and get you out of your your shell that you're in does that make sense i mean even like a 30 year old and a 20 year old is still kind of weird to me whatever it happens but uh you know bless you if, if that's worked out for you but i feel like if you were maybe 24 and they were 34 that 10 year gap means a lot less Man, I thought I knew everything when I was 18. I didn't know shit. I thought I knew everything when I was 25. I didn't know shit. <laughs> I yeah. thought I knew everything when I was 28, and I don't know shit. And now I'm going to be 33 tomorrow, and I know everything. So <laughs> 33 is a <the> magic number. <laughs> yeah, it is. Just took a took a backpack and a couple mountains, and you figured it all out. <laughs> yeah, but I, I definitely understand what you're saying. I'm going to tell a really quick story. So about this day, seven years ago, I was I was getting ready to turn 26, and I went to a friend's wedding. I had been a year single, uh, I changed my, my life around a bunch, did a whole bunch of different things. And, you know, I felt really good about kind of where I was at with, with where I came from and my buddy, he, I, I went and got a drink at the bar and there was this really beautiful girl there. She was kind of being flirtatious. I just, I, I am oblivious to those things, but he's like, Oh, you should go get her number. And I'm like, ah, man, I don't know. I'm just going to go eat my salad over here. Later on, he asked me for a business card. He's like, hey, Zach, do you have one of your business cards? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I gave it to him and he dropped it in the fishbowl in her like tip jar with my number. And we all went out to Capitol Hill later and we went to the bars and stuff. I got a text from this number. It's like, hey, you know, this is so-and-so. I'll refrain from saying her name right now. But this is so-and-so, you know, would you would you want to get together one of these days soon? And I was like, whoa, who? How, how did it? And Aaron told me, he's like, yeah, I dropped your card in there. So anyways, I went on a few dates with this girl and... She was absolutely gorgeous. She was inside and out. And she really kind of pushed me and taught me about life and how fun she was and just how she didn't give a shit about things. It was so refreshing to meet someone like that. And so I when I was watching this movie, Harold and Maude, I was thinking, you know, aside from the age difference, I was thinking how similar it was with somebody who is like, no, just look at this. Just this is what you have to do. It's it's like live your life and don't worry about that, this or this, you know, and she was absolutely beautiful. And, um, you know, she moved away. So nothing ever happened. But man, she she really helped impact and inspire me. And I have a bunch of friends and like you included who've really kind of pushed me to what I want to do. I would have never done this podcast had you and I just not been bullshitting about movies and, and finishing finishing each other's sentences. So. I, I really agree with you that that Harold was right for for doing what he needed to do. Yeah, man. Yeah. Fuck the fuck the free world. <laughs> fuck the free world. <laughs> three one three. God, I love that movie. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'll uh, I'll, I'll kind of wrap it up a little bit here. Were you sad when Maude died? Uh, I was. I was crying. I was watching the motion picture show on the sofa, and I was crying. Yeah, me too. It got to me. So the music playing where it's like travel. I'm like, oh my god! And you can like, he's like screaming. Ma- or Harry is just like Harold. I call him Harry. <laughs> We're on a first name basis, you know. Harold, <laughs> um, he is like screaming bloody murder. You can feel his his rage when he's driving that car, and you're just like, oh man, fucking Thelma and Louise. Here we go. This is gonna happen. I kind of forgot if he was in the car or if he was going to be at the top of the mountain when it went off the cliff. And I'm just like, shit, does he fucking die in this movie? That would totally ruin everything that Ma just said if he goes <laughs> off the cliff. I'm like, fucking teenagers. And with him, with him not being in that car and not committing suicide, I mean, 
it symbolized his growth and acceptance of his his new life that Maud introduced him to. And then you know right. it, he just walks away playing the banjo into the into the uh, sunset. The basically. Starbucks parking lot. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was so goddamn beautiful, and it, it took me a minute to realize kind of what I was watching. But man, yeah, just like discussing this, it makes it so much better for me. I uh, I really did. I liked it. So, do you have anything else to add? Because I I have a, a quick summary, basically, on how I, I kind of thought about this film. I have nothing. I mean, I'm sure most times when podcasts end, I always think of amazing things to add. <laughs> but right now, I I have Abraham nothing. Lincoln, <laughs> yeah, the president. <laughs> Holy shit. Like when he's like Django, the <laughs> Oh man, um, love that, love that guy. Um, no, as of right now, I have nothing more to add. That's a good movie. You should go see. It. You should definitely see it. So you know, sometimes we can be lost in life, never knowing if if the choices we make are correct or if our existence is fulfilling. And sometimes we need a catalyst. And like mine, I was saying about that girl earlier, we need a catalyst to help us see really what matters most in our lives. I would be so lost today if I had not met some of the people that I have in just the last 10 years alone. Uh, I, I've learned to laugh with purpose, love with without regret, cry with no shame, and overall just feel. And I've never had that before. And it's freaking amazing. Um, I've I have learned what Harold has learned. And I'm just going to put myself in his shoes. Um, even when life gets rough, I believe that everyone will find their mod eventually. We live in a cynical world and sometimes it's, it's pretty selfless uh, where the good majority of people just they basically just want to exist as everyone else. But even amidst that, there is beauty and joy from others who understand that to truly live is the most remarkable thing you can do. This movie was fantastic. I really enjoyed how lighthearted it was while also balancing the serious underlying emotions that Harold had. I had to sit and think about it and how it made me feel, but I'm really glad I watched it. Um, I was getting ready to give it a maybe like a B minus letter grade or a B letter grade. But I mean, after discussing it with you, it's got to shoot up there for me, man. I give this an A plus. Dude, what about you? Do you what, what, what letter grade do you give this? Oh, yeah, it's a total A plus. I, I freaking love this movie. I loved it when I was 15. I love it when I'm 40. Fantastic. It just makes me feel good. Makes me feel good inside. I feel it in my fingers and in my toes. Christmas is all around me. And so <laughs> the feeling that. grows. I hate that movie. I love so that much. movie so much. I think it's so bad. Oh my god. And what's with um the one guy, Mr. Walking Dead, where he's all got the like uh stalking her in yeah. the wedding video. <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a creep there, Rick. <laughs> Yeah, Rick Grimes. Rick Grimes. Carl, I gotta give me the give me the video camera. I gotta record this girl. It's gross. <laughs> Girl's gone wild, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Holy smokes! And then Alan Rickman cheats on his wife. Then no, depressing. And then Laura Linney, she can't get in a relationship because she's got to take care of her brother. Holy shit, man! That movie's hard to watch. It is, but love is not perfect. Not, not not a good movie. I like it. I don't want to be angry at the movie that I'm watching. And they, I have those, man. Sometimes, what was that movie we were just talking about? Children of Men? Oh my God, that movie makes me so angry. I don't like it. It didn't make me angry. It, it It's it's a fantastic movie, but it's like, it made me sad, you know, at, at oh, certain it makes points. Me angry. People are terrible. People are They're terrible. The worst. 
Except but, Harold, um, and Mond. Harold and Maude. Yeah, uh, you know it's funny. It reminds me back when I was on the old Tinder there, and it's like we're casting a wide net, eighteen to eighty. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I swipe right a lot. I had to pay for it because I was swiping so much. Damn, bro, it's too much. Yeah, too much money. <laughs> oh, jeez. Do you uh, do you want to take us home? Sure, I'll take us home. I never get to take us home. Yeah, you do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this tugboat ashore, as it were. Yeah, toot toot. Is that what they do? I don't know. Tugboats. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Forrest Gump when he's like, "Yo, mama really wants you getting to school." (laughs) 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 My favorite line in that whole movie is, uh, "Is there a Mr. Gump, Ms. Gump?" That is so great. That is the, literally the best line in that whole movie. Holy shit. There's a lot of good things happening, but that is my favorite part. Shrimp Holy gumbo, shit. shrimp creole, shrimp stew, shrimp <laughs> We Oh man, I don't know if this made it on the the 300th episode of the Geek Legacy podcast, but we were talking about Forrest Gump. Pri- I think it was prior to the show. And uh, I had always thought that Jenna had died from uh, AIDS, but it turns out she had died from hepatitis C. Yeah, um, I I read that because that didn't come out until years later. Well, so, in this, in the, it was revealed, I guess, in the second book, the follow up. Ah, uh, but go. no one read it. He like, oh, I guess, Force Gump goes into space and then he lands, comes back down to Earth, lands on a on an island full of cannibals. <laughs> wow I, I i know nothing about it. that's david's rendition of what happened it could be true it could be false i don't know but uh i think it's a great idea so we'll stick to it but yeah she's you get, you get hepatitis c from licking toilet seats from from uh you know snorting cocaine through someone else's needles that were in their body it's gross you don't you don't want the hep c bites that's bad too Jesus. I got a free Hep C shot with the work job. Yeah, yeah. So did I. Gonna, gonna need that. And I got bit too. Some fucker bit me. <laughs> Good thing my immunization record was up to date. <laughs> I just use essential oils. Do you? <laughs> no. I just, I just pee on it. <laughs> I just pee on it. Yeah. Every day, all day. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to another fun and festive episode of the Don't Be Crazy podcast. I had a lot of fun talking about the Herald and Mod. Uh, As the shameless plug uh, was mentioned earlier, uh, please listen to the Geek Legacy podcast. We just celebrated our 300th episode. Quite an exciting milestone that we had just reached. I'm very excited about it. Please log into your favorite podcast app. Download it. Subscribe. Do what you got to do. I hope you enjoy it. So check it out. Remember to follow us on Twitter. We are at dbcrazypod, at zachdale60, and at edgyarmo. Uh, feel free to give us some ideas on what movies to watch. Um, I guess that is it. You have a wonderful night, an even better week, and uh, join me in wishing Mr. Zachary Dale 60 a happy birthday. We love you so much. You are the best. They're gonna say Darnell. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember what I called you. <laughs> so, so, Zachary Dale uh, Food Court. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday, bud. Love you a lot. Thank you. Love you Thank guys. Thank you so much.